welcome to the Temple of Blair episode B. It's another interview, another interview, in uh, second one in two days, as it were. This is with James McBain of Hell Ripper, black and roll project, one-man project from Scotland. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, it might even be Aberdeen. Uh, they've got a new album out this month called The Affair of the Poisons, which you need to check out on the old band camps and Spotify's and all that stuff. Um, we chat shit for about 40 minutes about the process of making the album, the relationship with Peaceville, and a lot of other bollocks, which um, I'm sure you're all bound to enjoy. So let's jump right into it, man. One, two, fuck shit up. Good stuff. Right, I've got five questions for you, but every question has about 10 sub questions. That's fine. Do you want me to go on video or? Uh, you know what, man? If you want it to be on YouTube, let's go on video. I'm not yeah. too precious. I always open with video in case the recipient has video, but I'm, yeah, I'm not precious. Um, let's see. I haven't used Skype in ages, so I'm trying to figure out how to do shit. Um, it's the only thing worth. I did a Zoom call on what Wednesday last weekend. Uh, I ended up having to use my webcam mic, which kind of sucked, but. <laughs> think I've turned it on. I can see here. Excellent. Nice, nice, nice. Right, yeah, cool. Okay, right. So how's, how's shit in Scotland, man? How is everything? Yeah, not too bad. I mean, I'm quite isolated where I'm, where I live, so things aren't too different for me, really. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, what's the situation in Scotland? Is Sturgeon being relatively proactive. I don't know. I've been I've been yeah. in a bubble getting ready it's, for this kind of shit. I've over the past uh, while I've kind of switched off to what's happening. Kind of just is changing all the time. But yeah, Nicola Sturgeon seems to have. She's been saying stuff and changing stuff, and then we've got to do what England tells us to do or whatever. So then things change, and then yeah. they argue and. I'm just kind of try to follow it with uh, wearing a mask and mm. staying. You gotta just like you passively put yourself on like the most extreme caution and then assume you're doing yeah. the right thing. All right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, as long as I'm not like like near anything. Whenever there's the arrows and the the markers to stay. Yeah, yeah. Far away from people wearing a mask and mm. just the just the kind of standard stuff and. Yeah, and not having parties or whatever. <laughs> just like your that kind of shit. Well, you've been busy anyway, man. When did the album come out? Was it um, was uh, it August or September? The ninth, uh, just recently. So a couple of weeks ago. Really? Yeah. Hell. Has it really been that recent? Yeah, it's been in the pl- it's been in the it was planned to be released in May. So right. we've had stuff like out there for I think. I can't remember when the first song was released, but I think it's like four months now. Right, okay. I finished recording the album in December, so it's been like a a year wait for me. That's like, right though, isn't it? Can you yeah, me I mean, back? Yeah, it got me, uh, got me busy on the next album. I'm halfway through that, so... Cool. cool. So it's kind of... Yeah. I bet Pete's feel happy with that as well. Yeah, I guess, I guess so. Um, yeah, hopefully it turns out well. Yeah, man. So there's there's loads of good interviews out there um, with yourself about sort of the one man band uh, approach and obviously where everything's come from. But 
I've been doing a few of these um, interviews with regards to projects I've got going on about the history of Roadrunner Records, and I found that I'm really dull. So I've got a load of dull questions for you oh, about the things sort of like behind the veil. What, what I consider to be behind the veil, but really is fairly fairly uh, straightforward stuff. Yeah, that's fine for me. Whatever. So the mix, yeah. For the, so the mix on the new album, and to an extent, the 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 other album, the, the second album, um, is fucking good because it's kind of it's, the way I'm phrasing. It, is black metal mix but with a bit more utility like you can actually hear the yeah. reverb on the snare and the, the guitars actually have some clarity was that like a design choice like an actual mix design choice or was this you developing your skill set as you go along kind of both right um, yeah just it's a sound i was kind of going for um but yeah it's like me developing i mean i think you can hear a massive difference in the mix of like the first ep to the latest album definitely yeah like the latest album and the previous ep are kind of the sounds i've been trying to go for the whole time mm. uh, or near enough so yeah over the years i've just kind of yeah developed my skills and learned how to achieve the sound that i had in my head mm. uh, is it modeled after anything in particular or were you just sort of thinking i like that were you thinking of an old schooly vibe but again like with more utility was or was there a particular album that you're like this sounds fucking great i'd like to recreate this yeah it's kind of i don't think there's a particular album because i would if i went if i aimed for that i would it would probably be like out with my skill set so i i would probably be struggling so yeah just in general kind of like an 80s feel like a an old school kind of sound but yeah like you say i've got more modern equipment um digital kind of stuff is available now like digital plugins and and all that kind of stuff so you can get quite good re- recording quality with little budget and yeah yeah that. so it's like yeah, it's just kind of my take on like the old school sound and yeah, yeah i just usually i just kind of do it by feel like i get a just as i'm recording things i change things and if something sounds good then i keep that and mm. it's so interesting how like the entire energy of your album can be by the mix itself um famous example being slipknot spit it out there was the demo that got um submitted to roadrunner which was deemed like the best thing ever and then they went back and, and did the actual album with um ross robinson i could be speaking out of turn but the, the i know the official album version ended up being not quite filled with the same energy as the demo version. So the demo okay. version is what ended up on the album. That's what everyone kind of knows as the ubiquitous version of Spit It Out. Okay. But it's just so interesting to me how those mixed design choices can really inform what the listener gets out of it completely. Yeah. Um, and sometimes that's why you hear, um, especially in like the thrash metal days and some of the new wave of British heavy metal days, people really revere demos, but then <laughs> don't like it when more people get involved yeah um, and sometimes it can saturate that energy so i was just curious to see what if, if there was what where the design was coming from but i kind of admire the uh the the, the moxie just going i'm just learning as i go and go by vibe because yeah. that is, I, at the end of the day is the essence of what metal is in terms of the sonic yeah. um then you've got the the other side as well where if it's not good uh, if the sound isn't good enough it takes the energy out as well so it's you've got to try and find a uh I'm a good balance, I guess. Yeah, man. Like, yeah, that's what I try to do. I don't want it to be like overproduced, over 
like just sounding perfect and things, but I don't want it to sound poor quality. Like, so yeah, it's all about getting the balance for me. Really, in, in a live setting. So when we're back in the world where we had gigs, did you have to instruct the front of house guys, or uh, did you kind of just say go and have fun with it? Not really. It's a uh, live. It's we're just it's we've kind of got like a I guess a like a punk approach where we just kind of go for it like. Um. Yeah, I use a bit of reverb on my vocals and stuff, but other than that, yeah, it just sounds how it sounds, I guess. Um, yeah, as long as everyone's playing the right song, it's fine. The thing, the beauty of it is the album itself. It's, it's. I don't know how people have been um, articulating, and I don't want to say compartmentalizing, but I don't know how people would describe the music. But to me, it's kind of like party black metal. It's, even though I, I could say it in a million other ways, it's kind of like if Metallica didn't, if, if Metallica weren't as into Iron Maiden, but they were more into Venom, it's yeah. a million ways you can say it. So I think in a big way that does the talking. I'm even getting some Children of Bodom vibes, like early Children of Bodom, which I fucking, I really dig, oh, man. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's like one of the first times I've heard that. But yeah, I, I um, Alexei's like guitar playing, like with the kind of classical kind of thing. Totally. That's uh, that's been like an influence on my guitar playing. I mean, it's not something that I intentional or it's not a band that directly influences me. But yeah, they, oh sure, it's, it's more like I a gut to... feel, like like those early Bodom yeah. albums where it is kind of like it's balls to the wall, um, yeah, structure changes and and just energy, and that's that's the, the sort of the vibe I get. I mean, I'm not I'm not saying it was a particular, oh, um, no. yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's uh, cool. It's like cool. I like hearing uh, people's like what they can hear mm. because sometimes it's like, it's something that I would, I never thought of. And then I think of and think, yeah, yeah, probably that is the case. Like subconsciously that was, well, that came out or something, but yeah, it's, I like hearing other people's like takes <laughs> because they're sometimes different. Like what I intend. I wasn't even aware of that were there. Sometimes they hear stuff that I've never even heard before. And they, and stuff like that so it's yeah it's cool hearing other people's yeah. like on it it's like, the, yeah. a big box that's ticked for me obviously the um the namesake of this podcast is the temple of blair and the blair is just yeah. big. <laughs> there's a plenty of those to go around so that makes me happy yeah they're just very fun just... did you have any producer or any other engineering or was it all you yeah all me and uh it was mastered by um brad at audio siege i usually get someone else to master it because I I like to get like a since it's all me up until that point I like to get a like an outside perspective like because I've been working on the album like constantly for so mm. long I you get like tunnel vision I don't know what sounds good anymore and stuff you can't see the wood for the trees yeah exactly so and if end, someone's if it's going to vinyl and cross platform you want to get yeah it's, it's good you to want get. to give yourself a stage gate yeah it's and of course like there's uh, these guys, I think, are much better than me at mastering. Like, so they've got the experience. So at the end, they bring in their like their skill set and mm. kind of make me sound better. So it's yeah. So I like to get someone involved in the mastering stage for the most part. But other than that, yeah, everything's just mixed and stuff recorded by myself. What are you using? Is it Ableton? Uh, Reaper. Reaper. Yeah. Next, I I had massive problems with Reaper. Um, yeah, a lot of people have said that. Um, yeah. What's yeah. the interface that you're using? Uh, yeah, Reaper. 
as, as in the um uh, what you're plugging your guitar into oh, sorry uh, no i use a i plug directly into my amp uh, no sorry i mic my amp mm. and plug that into i've got like a focus right um i think it's a scarlet yeah, this is what this is what I've got. What? what? Yeah, little red. This thing. Ah. Yeah. This thing. Yeah. <laughs> so right, right. This has just gone from a half an hour to an hour um, long interview. <laughs> so, because this is the thing. When I use Zoom, I keep getting um, uh, like a an, and Discord actually. I get like a robotic sort of voice on it when I'm using oh, a focus right. And with Reaper, it just crashed completely. And I thought it was down to the focus right drivers. But because it comes stock with Ableton, yeah, um, yeah. that's what I've sort of I, stuck with, and it's been fine. I struggled with Ableton at first. I thought it was difficult, mm. and I'd been, um, I'd been like kind of recording and looking at stuff before I got the focus right. <clears throat> Me and my friends used to just kind of record with like a rock band USB microphone, like the guitar right. here microphone, and like of course it sounded shit, but well, it was black metal as fuck though, isn't it? Yeah, and uh, <laughs> so once I got the focus right, I, I had Ableton, and I. Yeah, I struggled to use it, so I went back to Reaper. But I did have—I remember I did have a few problems, like um, getting stuff sorted. I can't remember what it was. It's been so long now, but there was loads of uh, latency issues. I think, I think it kept crashing Reaper and yeah. stuff. I managed to fix them, and I can't remember how. I can't remember what the problems were, but I do Inch. remember something there. But yeah, yeah. I just I just looked online to try and fix it because I didn't want to learn how to use another. Uh, like workstation so yeah totally i mean and you get unlimited tracks on it whereas the ableton live light you have i think eight oh, okay so, yeah which is fine if you're going to do like effectively live sessions or just uh, yeah. a small band setup but uh yeah reaper reaper was my first choice as well but i was i was i was technically put into a box and told you know just use fucking ableton yeah but no that's fascinating that to, to me as somebody who's struggling with it um program drums yeah sound brilliant I, yeah, I yeah, I spend a lot of time on them. I I've got a mixture of like like my I use like a bunch of samples like for like one like a snare drum is like a it's got like a mixture of like three different things like layered on top of each oh, other. All right, okay. So and a lot of it is in the mixing as well. Like I spend ages mixing the drums because mm. yeah, I try to get them as real sounding as possible. Yeah. Um, and that's another thing, like you, with uh, program drums, you can get like a clear sound, as and it, it's a lot easier to mix program drums than real drums. So Do you ever get kickback from the drummer, um, your live drummer, who says this isn't actually uh, playable, James? <laughs> uh, no, not really. I kind of, I kind of know what's playable, and it's not um, since it's like kind of black metal, rock and roll, thrash. Yeah. I don't go mental with like. 300 beats per minute like double sure. beats like blast beats and stuff it's for the most part it's like just straightforward d beats mm. and stuff and fills that i know are possible i don't try to overcomplicate <laughs> things so that it does sound real as well yeah yeah no that's awesome man i remember reading some of that you um uh you write the music on tablature software yeah Is that's still the up. case yeah yeah uh, that's that's just it's such a useful tool it's basically like a way for me to demo the songs mm. um because have you are you familiar with it the I, guitar oh, pro? I tell you yeah guitar pro guitar pro 5 was my last one 
Yeah. And then so, I, I, I then I left Ultimate Guitar because I was just so bo- I was I was I was bored of getting the, the wrong stuff. And then they started in, in bringing in the uh, monetization yeah. um, part, and I was like, this can't really crack. This can't really work. So I, then I moved to YouTube to learn how how to play yeah. stuff. Yeah, but yeah. So Toxic Guitar is, is basically it's a free version of Guitar Pro. Like oh, it's a it's a yeah, it's like a free alternative software. It's it, it's got basically the same features. Mm. And it just yeah it allows me whenever I come up with a riff instead of recording the riff, I just write it down like tab it out yeah, and it kind of saves me the hassle from re-recording a demo, adding like re-recording it every time I want to add something to it or change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It. I can just change a note on the tab the tab mm. software and I can add drums to it. I guess more importantly, you're kind of doing the work from the ground up in terms of communicating with your live uh, musicians as well. Yeah, so not, as well. It's unambiguous, this is what you're meant to play. Yeah, uh, although I do change it sometimes and I forget to tell them. <laughs> so like I'll, in the recording stage, like usually 99%, when I go to record a, the songs, I've got the full song written on like Guitar Pro so it, mm. I know what I'm doing. But sometimes it just doesn't sound right or I want to change a couple of notes when I'm recording so I do that in the recording bit and then I send them the tabs and they're like, this this part doesn't sound right. Are you sure you're playing that? And it's like, no, I'm playing something completely different. I'll update it for you. Uh, so, but yeah, the, the Tux guitar, it's like a really, it's just a way for me to demo things really and mm. means I can, I can learn how to play my own songs again as opposed to like trying to figure it out by ear. It's like easy yeah, yeah. that way. Yeah, totally, man. That's cool. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about about Peaceful because mm-hmm. with this Roadrunner project I'm doing in the background, I've been speaking to some industry folk and, and watching a lot of old interviews. And so the last 15 years has sort of presented a stock statement from anyone in the industry, which is effectively anyone in their bedroom with a PC can get signed and not having you know not having played a gig <laughs> or anything like that. And it's kind of and I, I kind of get it because there is like an oversaturation in, in music that like you can't really move into, um, you can't really find the good stuff without wading through a load of bad stuff. Yeah. Um, so with that in mind, the fact that it's kind of presented as a challenge uh, for conventional music industry institutions, and don't take this the wrong way, but what did Peaceville see in you and what are they bringing to the table? Um, I guess they just like the music. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess they just like the music and yeah the band was kind of growing yeah so i guess they saw like there was potential or something to for the band so to it wasn't through. worried nothing worried them by virtue of it being a, a one-man project or the um, fact that you had most of the assets you had most of the infrastructure to do everything yourself yeah um no i don't think so um they kind of, um if i remember correctly they asked me what what my plans were i said i'm recording an album they said Fair enough. <laughs> and that was really it. But uh, yeah, like, it's difficult. Like, anyone can have, like, most of the assets and stuff that, like, a, la- uh, a larger label does. But it's a lot of work, and there's a lot of things that they can offer that you you can't, especially if you're, do- like, with me, I like to um, do basically everything myself. So yeah, Peaceville—they've got much better distribution, which is a, a massive thing for me because 
shipping and stuff to the U- the US especially it it keeps going up like the price of so people will, yeah. can get things worldwide like the the releases worldwide for are much more reasonable mm. more play, uh, more shops and more stores um they've got like you get they've got like a they can do their PR and stuff much better than I can um basically they can they just help you get you to the next level they kind of also it kind of is weird but they sign into a, like a a recognized label can kind of give you like a air of legitimacy yeah totally like, you're, like you kind of get like people kind of take notice more like mm. saying oh they're signed to this label that i i know so this is what i kind of find kind of promising with the the kind of industry, the state of the industry today is because like the stakes have kind of lowered in that regard because mm. you weren't grasping at the bit saying, Hey, peaceful, give me 10 grand advance on this album. Definitely. You are already, you're already in a workflow position where you can provide yeah. value to them at a low investment on their part. And in fact, from an investment point of view, all they need to offer is resources. Do yeah. you necessarily need to be money these days? Um, and as you say, with the air of, I don't know, Maybe the dirty word is legitimacy, but the clout, I guess, if they can add some clout to the brand that yeah. is Hellripper, it, that's where the revenue comes in and everyone kind of wins and the, the more metal can happen because you'd be put on, say, presumably the network which you've got as a result of being with Peaceful has opened up some more doors with regards to shows, oh, yeah. um, other bands you can work with, you know, other personnel who might be involved in the process. Yeah, exactly, all of that, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that just makes the metal happen, man. That's all it's about. That's what. Because yeah. going into this, going into the, um, um, reading into this kind of stuff, you kind of go in first thinking quite cynically, ah, you know, massive guy with a cigar behind a desk. Yeah. And then when you all you gotta do is peel back one onion layer, and all it is is just a load of metalheads who give a massive fuck about metal, scrambling to make more metal happen. Yeah, exactly. How that manifest is so interesting and i wish more people sort of understood it from that perspective yeah it yeah these labels like peaceville they've got like a a kind of underground feel to them i mean they're not like a the major extreme major label like type thing so yeah it's cool that was one thing that i liked when um they contacted me i know um paul who's in charge of peaceville he plays in like his own black metal band and stuff. Mm. Uh, so like, yeah, they're, of course they're metal heads and, and that. So it's like, they are a fan of the music, um, yeah, yeah, which is a good thing. Yeah. It's a lot of people think it's like extreme money everywhere. And you're, you're controlled. You have to like do ballads or whatever. I don't know. Like people have, some people have like, so much opinions like and thoughts on mm. bigger labels and usually it's not the case <laughs> i mean i'm kind of not surprised though. i mean the industry itself has only been in its sort of tangible state for the last 60 years if you even want to count in the 50s mm. and everyone else's associate everyone's association with it is just what's the size of the capital in this industry and obviously as you track through the decades it's sort of like 60s 70s 80s 90s kind of a saturating phase and then digital happens and then it all goes to pot yeah but 
I'd forgive someone for thinking that it's a shit business these days if they haven't thought about it properly for 15 years. Yeah. But really, it's it's cool to it's cool to see the um, the mo of the label move from a capitalist business to a partnership. I think that's a good way of saying it because that's yeah. kind of what it is. It's the only really it's the only way you can survive is with the cooperation of everyone. Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like kind of like it was in the olden days. Yeah, I mean, I had I've had like no like real industry experience and stuff. I mean, and so I had no idea what to like expect. Mm-hmm. So of course I went, I went into the deal, like, I mean, not worried, but you know, like thinking, what is it going to be like? Did yet, they make you get the train down to London and all that stuff? Oh no, no. It's just there uh, via email. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah, it's just, yeah, we, we communicate uh, with like the different people that uh, the necessary people like press and, Mm. Yeah, we just speak via email, and they say, "Do you want to do this?" Yeah. Um, are you okay if we do this? Yeah. Cool. So it's yeah, it's just it's it's almost exactly the same as working on like a like a a real underground label. Like yeah. So it's yeah, it's cool in that respect. There's been no real difference to me, and the main thing is that my music is this like they don't have they haven't like told me to write a certain thing or anything like right. basically they've not come back and said those guitars are too loud or you need to change something and i've kept no, fairly hands off uh i delivered the album to them and that was it really uh mm. i think i sent one demo song to them and they said yeah it's sounding cool so far yeah and then yeah i, I think i sent the the mastered the mastered album to them asked them for like their opinion in case they like saw uh, heard something that I didn't, and they yeah, had like yeah, sure. an idea, and they were just like, "Yeah, this this sounds cool. Uh, are you happy with it? Yeah, let's, <laughs> let's go. Let's get shit started." So yeah, it's very British conversation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's yeah, like I say, it's just yeah, it's been fine so far. I mean, cool. yeah, <laughs> it's with uh, we we talked earlier about the tech. Um, behind sort of the Hellraiser as a project. Um, so I've got this thing where I think bands these days, especially your more legacy bands, could be completely viably studio bands and furthermore remote studio bands. Like I don't think Black Sabbath needed to retire. They just needed to go home and yeah. like crack open Reaper and then bang out three or four EPs every you know couple of years. It won't. I feel like that's now an option and it's no one's really bothered about taking it up. I mean, Down a few years ago, instead of doing a fourth album, they opted to do four EPs. They yeah. only delivered two of those EPs, but they were kind of caught between worlds where they were still touring, you know, 50 yeah. weeks a year or something like that. <clears throat> but that just got me thinking, man. Like, how do you feel about... You're halfway through your, your next album already, so how do you feel about the conventional sort of product life cycle of an album um, and how there's typically say a two-year expectation isn't there like yeah recording sorry writing recording promoting back to it yeah. is that a dead format do you think or do you think there's a do you think there's 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 still validity in it or can we innovate uh, i think it kind of depends on the band and their size and their their goals and what they enjoy doing really cool. because of course 
these bigger bands, they have like more opportunities. They get paid more if they go on world tours. Like there's a big demand for them. So like a band like Metallica can go on tour for ten years without doing anything like promoting their last album. Yeah. Whereas, of course, once a smaller band plays a couple of shows, like uh, or a couple of tours, I guess that takes a year or two. Then it's kind of time to start going again, so you can build, so you can get the the hype again for a new album, get some new fans and stuff. But like you said about the EPs and things, I do think with Spotify and the way that people are consuming music that albums are definitely becoming less of a like an important thing mm. in music in general. But within like metal, it's the that's the format that people like resonates with people most, I think. And within metal, yeah. like I, I think I prefer full albums. Um if it's well well made but yeah, it, yeah. Um, it, i think it depends on the, on the product itself like <clears throat> there are certain bands whose albums they, they're less like self-contained product than more a moment in time like, like i guess hmm. uh say your metal car rats like your triviums and your kill switch engages they can do the cycle and and the product of that cycle would be okay, this is us in 2018 this is us in 2020 and so on and so forth but there's other bands which can produce an it's less of an album, but more of an artifact. And it's like yeah. the design choices are different. Like big, big examples there would be things like your Rice Earths and your, your Power Metal Acts, maybe even Tycho Negative, Bloody um, Bloody Kisses. That's like a great artifact album for me where yeah. it's got your intermissions. It's, it's, it's pacing is incredibly deliberate. Yeah. I don't think they could do, if they wanted to produce that kind of, of output, I don't think they'd be doing that on an album cycle basis. I, I don't think it could be a capture. Sorry, I don't think they could do that on an EP basis because they're not a moment in time band. They're a yeah. you know, plan, design, build, deliver it. Yeah, that's, that's I think, it. yeah, I mean, EPs, of course, yeah, for things like that where you want to present a full product with the, like your intros and like a, a overarching theme and yeah, like a complete like an artifact as you say yeah it's very difficult to do that on an ep basis i would say unless like some bands do it where yeah like the four songs in the ep kind of tie together mm. so it's kind of like shorter versions i guess but yeah an album is more appealing for that kind of thing um i think eps and singles and stuff they're more suited to pop music and rock music and things mm. where where it's just about the song, whereas with metal, it's usually about an album. Uh, it is, yeah. I think on the on the the gorilla press cycle, I'll call it that. Singles are valuable. If you're like, if you're banging yeah. a TV or something like that, and you're like, it's fucking nearly November, we need to see what's out, and mm. you can go into metal archives and go, right, okay, what's out now? There's a single, and they can just go, 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 go and then do it on that basis. Yeah. But for metal, no one else, no one else really cares about singles. I don't think. But you're right; yeah. it's more they want a bit more of a holistic experience. I think the good, uh, I think a good thing about singles and like EPs and stuff is it. I think a lot of bands use it to keep their name out there. Like yeah, man. I, I mean, especially like bands that can't tour uh, non-stop for years. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's, I guess, if you haven't really toured or done anything for a year, it's a, a good idea to put out a single or a couple of tracks to, like, 
get the hype up for your next album, kind of like a stopgap. Yeah, man. To keep the momentum going, to keep people interested. Um, I kind of done that with Hellripper. I mean, because there's so much stuff nowadays, things can get like forgotten about in a in a week or so. Like yeah. an album comes out, everyone loves it for the week, and then you've got 50 good albums come out the next week. Mm. So it's right now, like everyone, there's so much stuff that it's difficult to stay in people's minds. And with Hellripper, like at the start, I, I just as a way of like releasing music because I wanted to, and the advantage, like I had, I released a few split EPs, split releases, oh, cool. which like kind of keeps your name, like kind of keeps like a, the engagement yeah the engagement there yeah so yeah i guess there's there's advantages to doing both um but like you say i think albums in metal are like the the thing um Mm. it has been kind of shifting though there are like more bands putting out singles and little eps and stuff but i don't think the album will die in metal like i can't see that it's yeah. just, yeah. I mean, it when is, you talk it's... about metal, it's like most of the time you don't really refer to a single song. You refer to the album. Yeah, like, <laughs> that's a good point. Uh, yeah, if you know what I mean. It's like, it's just, yeah, it's like a more complete product. It just feels like a... They just seem cooler than yeah. like a single thing, like a single song or whatever. Speaking of which, who did the artwork for yours? Uh, it was a guy, uh, Scath Valder. He's done the artwork for almost all my releases. He's right. Okay. He's yeah. He's really good. <laughs> I love the coagulating darkness one. Yeah, yeah. I love it. That's a cool just, one. Yeah, it just sort of speaks to that again. That sort of like black metal pie vibe. But it's kind of like it's it is a a total, there's like a subtle silliness to it. Yeah, and, and I like it. It's 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 extravagant, and I like it. Yeah, that's what it's all about. I, it it's fun i mean yeah i try to keep it like fun like some of the lyrics are like over the top and Mm. i do like uh like i take the music seriously i take it all seriously but yeah you've got to have fun with it and i think metal is the most self-parodying genre yeah i think advantage yeah Uh, absolutely yeah um Okay, so one thing I like to do on these interviews is um, we we're talking earlier about sort of the engagement with the community and, and wading through um, all the rubbish or stuff that doesn't resonate with you to, before you get to the good stuff. I think um, to fight that oversaturation, I've, I've started to do tape trading, not actual yeah. physical tape trading. But in every interview, I ask uh, uh, the interviewee to give me a band that you think deserves more attention, and I will do the same. And then hopefully... If we both listen to those ones, then we're slightly better armed okay. in this fight against oversaturation. So, if, 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 have you got anyone that you think deserves a, a bit more a love? Um, quite a few. Um, am I allowed to give more than one? Absolutely. I just forgive my clacky clacky typing yeah. from my keyboard. Uh, so, Live Burial from Newcastle. Okay. Uh, killer death metal band. Um, skeletal. Um, it's T H A L, death metal from France. Very cult. Uh, really cool. Um, Butcher from Belgium. Uh, there's an umlaut above 
the U, I think it is. <laughs> cool. Um, they're really cool, like speed metal uh, type stuff. Wraith from the US. Again, killer metal punk, speed metal type yep. stuff. Um, who else? I hate coming up with things off the top of my head. That's cool. I always forget. So yeah, I'll go for I'll go for those guys. Cool, cool. <laughs> I've I've got two for you then on that basis. And you no, know, actually, I like these names. I like Burial Skeletal Butcher and Wraith. It's all fairly. It reminds me that Hellripper is is it's a surprising name because you would have thought someone would have come up with that. Yeah, it I know. seems. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. It's, yeah, it kind of rolls off the tongue. So I was like, yeah, yeah. I thought it was a cool name. So and it's very metal. How it skirted past everyone up to this point, I have no idea. So, so I've, I've got two for you. There's one which um, was given me, given to me last week by um, uh, Guido Gevels of Cyclone, 80s thrash, Belgian thrash oh, metal yeah. titans Cyclone, uh, just called Cluda. C-K-L-U-D-E. Like, um, they call themselves like sludgy black metal, but I think they've got a bit more, there's a lot more definition there. I, I, I disagree that it's sludgy, but again, it's, obviously subjective but they're really sick okay uh, there's also a, a local band around me called dream troll oh um, yeah I know those guys yeah there yeah, you go yeah, yeah they're really cool. good yeah and it's a, you're the first person who, who also knows who dream troll are they say they're keeping the spirit of new wave of british heavy metal alive i get that but i feel like they've got their feet in so many other different camps that i feel like that as a statement it kind of weighs them down they're a lot more progressive than that i think I, yeah, I think they're really progressive, and they've got like a really cool aesthetic. I think, like, um, yeah. I don't know how to describe it. It's like kind of old school, like, kind of, yeah, it's a kind of eighties VHS type aesthetic that I really like. Yeah, if, if Stranger Things was metal, yeah, you're putting through the Stranger Things filter. That's kind of what they go yeah. for. I think they re- uh, they released a music video recently. Mm. Um, and I might be remembering it wrong, but I think it's like, like through the eyes of a VH, like a watching a VHS or something, or the quality is VHS. Like it was really eighties. Uh, I can't remember it. Yeah. I think mo- I think most of them are that. Um, there was something like the um, there's some there's something of the Chrome Viper, I think, where there's just like it's a little it's like a VHS footage of it's like a Snorri cam attached to like one of those little stringy. Stringy worms used to get as a kid. Okay, yes. Yeah. It's going about killing people. It's bloody brilliant. But yeah, they're one of those bands which I think. Um, this is like, maybe I'm so out of the loop. Maybe they're massive and I just don't know it. But I think they deserve a lot of attention. Yeah, I think they're really cool. I'm not. I'm not too sure how big they are at all. I. I just know them. <laughs> I've just yeah. I can't remember. I think it's probably one of the like one of my local bands. Uh, not local bands, but like a friends from around that area probably mm. told me about them and i got them oh yeah another band as well pissed p-i-s-t uh they're really cool where are uh, they from uh, i think uh manchester right okay cool uh, yeah really cool stuff it's uh how would you describe it? it's kind of like sludgy stoner kind of thing but they like brought their, they released a new album i think it was last year where it's mm. like they brought in like black metal, like kind of influence and stuff. Yeah, it's really cool shit. I'm gonna give all of these a listen, and they've made the list. Um, <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing with all of these. The more all the bands that I, I'm sort of collecting, I'm, I'm just putting to one side, and I think I might do like a a podcast episode with a load of people, and just maybe just get shit faced and listen to them all or something like that. Yeah. I think that's how that's the best way we can. The best thing we could do for metal is and bring it, get give it a bigger seat at the table is to sort of 
pin out the ones that we like most and make sure everyone knows about them on like a face-to-face basis yeah. the best we can do in in the middle of a global frigging pandemic but yeah no, yeah i like awesome. to try and i like to try and like support like my peers in the scene and stuff like because if everyone wins in the end more people like more bands yep. yeah i mean yeah it's cool yeah, yeah, I think it it just inhibits it, it it establishes a habit of making more effort. Yeah. When we've had 15 years of things being given to us by the internet, it's just like, well, let's, what do we do if we just take that extra step? Yeah. I think. Last question in the spirit of Halloween, because I've taken up enough of your time. You've been incredibly generous. That's okay. Um, yeah. uh, as we run up to Halloween, have you ever seen a ghost or had a paranormal experience? I have not, unfortunately, uh, or fortunately, <laughs> I guess. Um, <laughs> Nah, I, I'm not a believer in that kind of thing. Nothing weird's ever happened to me. So yeah, both fortunately and unfortunately. Yeah. It'd be a cool story, but it would also be fucking terrifying. Like, <laughs> I think, yeah, I've been asking everyone everyone this. I'm, I've, I've had a couple a couple of things, which, you know, I won't go into any detail or anything, but I'm like, ah, oh, these sort of weird coincidences that you could sort of perceive as paranormal or a ghost or whatever. I'm sure a lot of people have these from who I'm speaking to. And then every interview I've had, everyone's like, nah, it's fucking mad. Mm. Gary oh, Pepper from uh, nearly hit a dog once, and he said that was it could have been a ghost dog. That's as close as I've gotten okay. to a. Uh... <laughs> I don't know where to go. <laughs> I don't know yeah. That. yeah, I don't know. I think. Yeah, I mean, there could be stuff, but I mean, I think most things to me have an, a rational explanation. Oh, totally. Maybe that we haven't figured out yet, like. Uh, makes makes for a good story though. It, yeah. It's that part of the mind, isn't it? Like if it, my girlfriend made me watch Paranormal Activity when we first started going out, and I had to watch two episodes of Friends to balance me out. Okay. I like that feeling though. I like being on edge for no yeah. real, <laughs> for Those, irrational reasons. That's my weird thing as well. Like I don't believe in any of that stuff at all. But my favorite horror films and the scariest horror films to me are the the spirit possession ones and all that you know like um try to think what were really cool ones like recent ones for example like all these insidious the conjuring um sinister i really enjoyed them the blumhouse ones yeah yeah exactly um most of them some of them are not too good um mostly like the sequels i'm not like some of the i can't i can't remember the last one i watched it was like uh, it was like one of the Annabelle films and it was home or something yeah. that one was actually okay it was the one before that or maybe the first one right it just kind of felt like horror like by the books like yeah yeah like kind of that but I quite enjoyed the Annabelle comes home it was kind of like a kind of like an old 80s thing like a home invasion thing mm. kind of thing I, I quite enjoyed that one actually forgot have that, seen, I seen that. Um, have you seen oh Christ what's it called now it's on the tip of my tongue. Oh, Invisible Man, the new one. No, no, I haven't seen that yet, no. That was the last thing I saw in the cinema before everything went to part in it. It is pretty damn good. Yeah, so, I, haven't, I haven't seen a horror film in ages now. Because I, I, I like to watch horror films at the, at the cinema. But yeah. I don't have a cinema near me, so I haven't been in ages. Um... The last kind of horror film I seen at the cinema was maybe It, like the new It. All right, yeah. What do you make of that? Uh, yeah, I quite enjoyed it. Um, I watched the second one and I, I didn't think it was as good. 
But yeah. the first one was quite enjoyable. And the Babadook, that was quite a fun one. Uh, I've not seen that one. I've, I've heard about that one, though. In in the cinema, I watched it, and it was it was quite... It was, like, really got had you on edge. But then I watched it again, and I don't know if it's because I knew what was coming or yeah, yeah. because I was at home. Like, it had no effect whatsoever. Mm. I think, like, the sound design and things in the cinema obviously plays a big part in horror films especially so it's immersion isn't it yeah seeing a horror yeah. film in cinema is just yeah you've got everything happening and definitely makes things 10 times worse yeah yeah, yeah i've been working through all the halloween films i recently okay. got to the end of those that's been that's been fun there's so many shitters yeah there's <laughs> how many is there there's um all right so <laughs> i think we go there's one there's two um, there's there's also different timelines. There's one, there's two, yeah. there's three, which isn't anything to do with Michael Myers. It's, it's, it's I call that a St. Patrick's Day film because it's more in line with that. There's four, five, six, and then there's I think there's H2O Resurrection. Um, yeah, H2O Resurrection, and then there's the new one, um, and then there's the two Rob Zombie ones. So I think it comes down to eleven Halloween films, one and two. So yeah. One and the new one is one chronology. One and two and I think four, five, six are another chronology. Three is on its own. It's fucking mad. It's great. It's been so long since I've seen them. Uh, I think I've seen about five of them. I can't remember which ones. Like the original couple. Mm. I think I watched one of the Rob Zombie ones. Um, But yeah, it was like ages ago, so I can't really remember yeah, yeah. pipelines and stuff and do yourself a favor just watch the first one from 78 and then watch the one from a couple of years ago okay what the the one with like the original cast original 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 from 78 and then the one from 2018 which was yeah, 2018 yeah 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 um yeah which had as close to the original cast as you can get which is just yeah. basically jamie lee curtis and her immediate friends <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah i'll You're do that, that well. i haven't yeah it's, yeah, it's so strange. I, like, I love that kind of film, but I ha- I just, yeah, it's weird. I you can't have that time, man. You've been busy. Lately, I've been busy. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, horror films, I haven't watched one in ages, which, yeah, must have been a couple of years now, like, since I've watched one properly. Mm. Which yeah. is kind of sad. <laughs> is what it is. Is what it is. Right, man, I've taken up way too much of your time, so thank you very much for, no for joining me. Thank you. You've been anointed at the Temple of Blair Thanks, for sir. having a sufficient amount of bless in your music. Thank you. I know a blessiple. Yeah, how long did you listen to one? I have. Surprisingly, I watched it. Uh, I watched the Channel Four Metalhead thing, <laughs> and I had no idea it was you guys. Are you I watched fucking that. joking? That yeah, makes no, me came, so happy. Yeah, it came up on my uh, my recommended videos. And I, the first thing that came into my mind was uh, I was thinking about like Channel 4 like before I watched the video because I had it on my watch list for a while before watching it and the first thing that came up to me was like I feel like there's I, I always remember the Mayhem poster and the Inbetweeners thing Yeah. And I, always, and I always like yeah every time I watched the Inbetweeners I was like oh Mayhem poster yeah it makes me so happy one that you've watched it and secondly that it came to you somewhat organically yeah, I'd I never can, seen the the Egypt one, and that was just a completely random one. But it was like in the year that I was super into Down, and I was really excited for that album coming out. Yeah. So it stuck out like a sore thumb to me. But the, the, people seem to think that there's loads of references in that era of Hollyoaks. 
but there's nowhere oh. online I can get it. So okay, like, I've never really... Six to 2008, there's meant to be like little parts of the set which have really obscure metal references. Oh, okay. So, That's um... Strange. Yeah, yeah, I mean, was there any other ones aside from the the in-betweeners couple and the... Um, there's... there's the, I've got old Drake from Eval, so I need to check yeah. out, um, I think it's Mark Francis's Big Night Out. Okay. Um, which was, well, it's like a mini- when he went to visit the, he went to visit like, he went to a, a show in Yorkshire or something. That's it, yeah. It's, so, I yeah. saw that on Facebook and he, yeah, what did he do? Yeah, he like just goes to a, sh- a, a gig. Yeah, like a death metal gig and then eventually he's like, I don't get this, I don't understand. By the end he's like, I kind of, I'm in, I know the angle now. Yeah. But I can't I, know which band it was, but yeah, I saw that on Facebook. Um, yeah. Yeah, and of course there was skins which had the napalm death and yes, like that, that. I had to debunk that because that was absolutely 100 by design. There wasn't yeah. a guy in the background going, "I can sneak in some stuff there." And, and Jamie Britton, who um, created skins, did do us a favor and, and sort of confirmed. It was like, "Yeah, this is I am a massive metalhead, and this was all done by meticulous design." But I bet you any money that the, the Channel Four secret metalhead is a just a prop guy somewhere who has been sneaking all this stuff into the background. I hope that's the case. That'd be so funny. Just yeah, definitely, definitely. The thing is, though, these, there's no fucking mistakes in production. Yeah, none. It's I'd all love to see design. him. I'd love it if he like went further and further to see what he could get away with, like by including like Cannibal Corpse album covers, like in the background of Hollywood, oh, yeah. or some shit like that. Just like see what he could get away with. But yeah. Yeah, slowly we rot somewhere in the background, like yeah. loose women, some shit. Yeah, I mean, I think I think he's gone. I think he's been in in my head canon. He's been found out and exterminated yeah. for his crimes. But um, <laughs> we got uh, uh, the search goes on. I keep finding like other little tidbits of um, of contacts in like the INDV archives and trying yeah. to find uh, send emails to those guys saying, right, there's an hour YouTube video stipulating my theory. Tell me if you know anyone, and I just yeah. don't get a response, which is fine. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully you find it. I'd I'd be very interested to see what. If if it is a if it is a secret metalhead guy, what his thoughts were? I just it's such a cool yeah. way to like just subconsciously spread shit. Like, yeah, it's cool. I always like it when I see like a TV show with like a little metal reference. It's kind of one that's not shit as well. One that's like specific enough to know it's a metalhead and not so generic where it's like, all oh, yeah. right, someone's heard of. Yeah, I can't even remember any off the top of my head, but there have been a few where it's like really obscure. I mean, like examples are in. I mean, it's um, not not like secret, but like that. Have you seen Dark, the Netflix series, German Netflix series? It's uh, like the guy's a big Creator fan. And he's like singing, right. singing like Creator in his room and stuff. And yeah, yeah. yeah. Or I can't remember what it was. There's it's either I think it's the new Stranger Things. There's a tank poster in the background. Right. Either Stranger Things or It. I can't remember, but there's a tank poster which. I thought was strange, like because Tank are not a a big band. It's it's a frustrating thing when um when the actual show itself is is a particular set piece, and then you can't you can't go right. That's too specific because it was of the time. Yeah, you know that's the frustration. Yeah. But um, there was one where Coronation Street kept playing Metallica, um, <laughs> but that's because Metallica were playing Manchester oh, okay. like that week or something. So that was again all by design. Oh. But yeah, no, I'm I'm. I'm going into the archives that was my warm-up before the roadrunner project and um yeah so hope i'm trying to approach the roadrunner project with a, a similar level of um yeah. uh, intricate 
anal analysis of everything to the point of tedium, and then yeah. Raw can just make fun of me for trying to make a good go of it. And make occasional contributions. And make occasional contributions, yeah. Every, every once in a blue moon. There's such a strange way of promotion for Metallica to have their stuff on the radio in Coronation Street. Yeah. It's such yeah. a strange method. I mean, I guess, get the name out wherever you can. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. Who's listening to, who's watching Coronation Street and thinking, oh yeah, there's a Metallica show, I need to go to that. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah, that's a strange... a joke for, on their yeah. part, you know, rather than yeah. anything else, but... Yeah, the fight continues on. Uh, the search for the secret metalhead continues. He's out there somewhere. Yeah. It's so strange that you can't find, like, direct... Like, you've got to go this far into research. <laughs> well, the thing is, it's like... It's... From a production standpoint, there's... A, there's you get the credits on everything, and then yeah. there's a bunch of underlings who won't get jack shit because they're not... Like, oh, okay, yeah. for, for whatever reason because they're probably just hired labour as opposed to art direction or props masters mm, and things no. like that so yeah. that'll be who it is um, but yeah and another obstacle is the INDB archives are ne- not necessarily too specific they're mm. production companies but um, when the production companies say changes every episode it kind of like throws a spanner in the works because mm. not, it's not likely that this one props person is going to work across all of them yeah. but Another one is there's for the in between specifically there is a props master who is a well renowned props master but I can't find any contact details but he's yeah. working all the time but yeah. I can't find anything any way to get in touch with him yeah again in, it was like you were saying on the thing it could be a promotion thing I remember reading a couple of guys speaking about it saying they used to send their stuff like like a label would send a bunch of stuff to like a, a particular network, say Channel 4, and they would just, like, use it throughout the next year or two years. Mm. Like, so, yeah, it could be. But, yeah, it's very specific. That's the thing. That's so, the thing. If you don't believe in coincidences, that you believe in a secret metalhead. I hope there's you, a secret metalhead. It's yeah, way yeah. promotional thing. Yeah. Man, you need to get a lot of Hellripper posters sent down to Channel 4. That's what you need to do. Yeah, I'll find Bait the- Channel 4 right now. <laughs> they when, the secret metal ads out of the. Uh, when Peach Show comes back, I need to do. I need to get a collaboration with Jazz and Superhands. Yeah. You know. <laughs> no, but that's the goal. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I remember once I completely, absolutely decided um, when I moved to 